Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. starting a project or you innovate especially with innovation if you're looking to think of of innovating a product that's already out there to make it better if you're thinking about it to sell it and make a mass amount of money and sell a company when times get tough and it will get tough you won't stick in it but if you're passionate about making a difference with that product you'll stick through it through thick and thin Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Tendai Vicky of Strategizer and with Brooke Salas of B Squared Media, then do go check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Danny May. Danny is a global AI tech entrepreneur and an industry speaker who founded Lingmo, a digital AI-powered translation software provider with no IT background or AI background. His idea to develop a real-time language translation solution to break down the global language barrier came about after an embarrassing situation in China when his passport was stolen and he had no way of communicating with the local authorities. With no formal training in the technology space, Danny has now developed a deep understanding of AI and speech recognition technology in the translation sector and the benefits it brings not only to products, but also to the people using the technology. This has led him to develop relationships with many corporate multinationals and take the lead in mentoring them on how they can improve their business communication as well as guide them into incorporating AI into their internal systems. With an impressive portfolio presenting keynotes, sitting on panels and giving talks around the world, Danny's easygoing and approachable manner gives him the natural ability to share his expertise. His intuitive mindset seeks to make the impossible possible and inspires many young people to follow their dreams. His engaging presentations make it easy for people to relate to him as he demonstrates how to push the boundaries in the startup world. Today, in our discussion, Danny talked to me about how he overcame the challenges he faced when changing industries. He described his passion for improving business communications across language and geography barriers, And he explained why you should be comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Danny May. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today all the way from Sydney, Australia, which is probably the closest podcast guest I've had for a few episodes, Danny May, who's the co-founder and CEO of Lingmo International. That's a world-leading provider of cloud-based artificial intelligent translation software and voice recognition technology. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Danny. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Neil Sahota, who was our guest on episode 344 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Danny. So big hello to Neil. <laughs> How you going? <laughs> I know he listens in from time to time. Yep. Now, Danny, you've got a fascinating story and um, we'll link to maybe one or two other podcasts because I know if we capture it in kind of one or two sentences, it's from a plumber that told a policeman in China that you love him to a tech entrepreneur, right? <laughs> and uh, what what I'd like to kind of explore a little bit, what were some of the big challenges in that journey when you discovered a need and decided I'm going to address that need? What what were some of the big challenges you faced along the way? Um, a lot of challenges and, you know, still still go through the challenges as, as we speak. But I guess the, the biggest one was um, being going from plumbing to tech. Um, really shifting my mindset to learn about the tech industry, self-teach um, myself everything I need to know. Um, that was one of the biggest lessons and, and sort of stepping stones that I had to get over. And then the other one was, um, you know, chasing investors and trying to go through the investment route. Um, you know, being a plumber to, to tech, um, a lot of angel investors didn't really believe that I could do what I had to do. So, um, you know, in the early days, we sold the, the family house, convinced the wife and put the money in, created the MVP to show exactly what we can do um, and then start looking for investment from there. So I guess the, the stepping stones were getting it to the MVP stage and going from and differentiating ourselves compared to, the, you know, to the big players in the market at the moment um, or back then and, and currently now um, is having a different mindset. And that's where the plumbing really, um, I felt, had an advantage on that. Mm. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. But um, one of the things I was curious about was how long was it before you had the experience in China where you thought, wow, a translation app would be really cool, one that works properly because I believe you tried one at the yeah, time yeah. and it failed you. Yeah. Um, how long before you came to that realisation and then said, I'm going to do this? Well, it's a long trip from Shanghai back to Sydney, so it was a lot of thinking on that on that stage. Um, but when I come back, I did probably about six months worth of market research um, to really work out how the translation was so wrong from the competitor that I used. And then, um, so it, all in all, probably took about 12 months from when I sort of come back to doing research, putting the team together and start implementing the the, the application to, to go to market. Hmm. You did decide, though, on that flight back from China that you were going to do something. I did. You know, I'm I'm the type of person that I I, um, I have, you know, I'm very energetic. So if I do, if I say I'm going to do something, I put it in my mind. I go off and do it straight away. I don't ponder about it. Um, so yeah, there was a long flight, and it's just 
I just thought how many other people in the same situation around the world. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate enough, I, you know, I could have been put in jail or worse shot because I told the police officer I loved him. But, you know, how, how many people have been put in that situation that just couldn't communicate that didn't get out of it? So, you know, that's where I really started thinking. And then um, on that trip home, I was also thinking, how could, it, how could this big company get it so wrong? Um, and how am I going to think different to, make, to, to fix this, this, um, the problem? And, you know, again, it was a 12-hour flight, so a lot of time thinking and come back and then started executing on the market research. And I had done this with other businesses that I started in the past and then um, or looked at in the, in the past, like problems. And when I got through to the market research, I found, well, the companies that were doing it were actually doing a pretty good job. There's nothing I could really add to make it better. But in this instance, it was the speech recognition that I could add value to. Mm. Okay. and. You mentioned that you um, you kind of sold the house and you invested in building a minimum viable product. How did you take? Well, first of all, did you were you still doing plumbing at that time to kind of keep paying the bills? Yeah, hundred um, percent. That was one thing that I learned very early on was um, keep the the money coming in um, so you can continue paying bills. And you know, I've got a family. Um, you know, I've got three sons and a wife. Um, so still paying all the bills at the time because if I stopped and really put everything into it, it would put more strain on the finances at home, which put more pressure on myself and the, the product would have suffered. So um, for two and a half years, I continued doing plumbing um, during the day and then did this overnight. Mm. Yeah, well, and what kept you going during that time in terms of you know the pressure on you? So essentially working two jobs plus finding time to, for your young family? Um, it was kind of getting into a routine, I think. Um, so, you know, got up at 4.30 in the morning, um, went did plumbing, come back, spent a couple of hours with the kids. And then our development team, they were in Pakistan, so they worked overnight, so it worked out really well. Yeah. So I, um, I I spent time with, the, with the, the boys until 11 o'clock at night, like the development team, and then sort of did that and pretty much only had Sundays off um, for a couple of years. And it was just getting through the process. And, and you know, there was days where you, you, you get down and you go, well, geez, I don't want to keep doing this, you know, I'm, I'm tired. Then, you know, the wife mm. comes in and says, well, you put so much time and effort, continue doing it. And then I kept on doing that. And then, you know, sometimes the wife goes, you're putting so much time and effort, you're not getting anywhere. Going, we're getting there. So it was sort of, you know, the the balance <laughs> where off one another. bouncing off yeah, one another. If I was, um, if I felt down, she sort of come back in, and then if um if she was down, I come back in, and that's sort of how it got us through the, through the time. So having a really supportive partner really got us through. Hmm. Yeah, that's really important, isn't it? Now, I, one of the things I'm curious about. Um, Kind of that transition from a plumber, a tradesperson that works hands-on and creates things or repairs things physically as as physical work, with you know obviously a very high level of know-how, but taking that to something completely different, which is into the technology technology space, creating something there. How how did that transition how did you make that transition how did you find that transition and and what were some of the lessons you took across from what you'd learned as a plumber so the transition when i moved from full-time plumbing to full-time doing the tech was hard um it still had the, the mindset of, of um doing plumbing um during the day and then this of a night um was fortunate enough 
when I when we decided for me to come over full time and do it, I had partners on um, with the business, and we decided for me to come on full time. Two weeks after that, I we had a family trip called our plan to to Thailand, so we did that, and that kind of reset me. It was the reset that I needed to come back and go. Well, you're not a plumber anymore. You're a tech entrepreneur, so that's what you need to focus on, and and really start doing it during the day and and get used to that. So that that was the. The, the mindset and the change that I did because before that, you know, for the two weeks leading up to that, I was really struggling on, I feel like I should be going to work today to, you know, clear some blocked toilets, not, mm. you know, focus on the tech side and the sales. So that transition was hard, um, but that's where I kind of I got through that. Um, you know, some of the similarities from plumbing to, to tech is, especially what we're doing now is, with plumbing, um, I use the, when we go into a, like a room, like a bathroom, so we, we come into say your house and you said, I want to have, it was got blank walls and you go, I want my toilet there, my shower there, my hand basin here. I have to visualize the, where the pipes, where the plumbing's going to go. So when the walls go on, I know when I've put the toilet in, I'm not going to drill through it. So with tech, so we sort of have got to have a 3D, we've got to have what it looks like now to what it looks like in the future and plan accordingly so we know the, the process in, in between. And with tech, it's, it, it worked out the same. You know, it's okay, this is, how, this is what we've got here now, but how do we how do we vision it to to the next level so the customers are using it, making it an easy easy for everyone to use and, and then executing on that. So that's how what I sort of took across was visualising what the product should look like in the end and um, how it should be used and then working out in between how we get it done. Yeah, I love that. You basically took the principles behind what you actually do and said, well, what's the principle and how do I apply that in a different space? Exactly, exactly. And then, hmm. again, that, sometimes that's hard, but, um, you know, it's, you know, it depends on the industry, but plumbing and, and say carpentry and builders and stuff, we've all got the same unique gift where we've got to, you know, a builder goes to a blank piece of dirt and goes, well, I've got to build a house here. You've got to visualize how that house is going to look so you know where to put a piece of timber. And it's the same with plumbing and electrical. You, you've got to visualize where you do because if you put the pipe in the wrong spot, you drill a hole through. You've got to pull the whole bathroom off because you've got to fix the pipe you just drilled <laughs> yeah. through. I've done that a few yeah. times as well. But, yeah, it's um, it's 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 right. taken the similarities to the next to the to, to what we're doing now. Hmm. Okay, now um, you talked about building a minimum viable product to um, prove to investors that it was a worthy company to invest in. Um, let's take a step back, like building that minimum viable product. You talked about a team in Pakistan. How do you find people that had the technical capabilities to translate what was your vision, your end and um, use that your was in your mind. How do you find people that could see that as well and say, "Yep, I think we can build that"? Um, I was quite fortunate in that space. Um, I did, you know, I was working before Lingmo, um, you know, building websites and stuff for you know family, friends, and so on. And I, I was um, introduced to the Pakistan to our, you know, one of our our head guys at Pakistan. Um, you know, seven, eight years ago, and he was doing the websites for mm -hmm. us and stuff like that. So I got to know him quite well, and I was introduced to him. I wasn't something that I went on the internet. Um, but when we started, you know, when we started Lingmo, I really went out to try and find developers, you know, in Sydney, you know, Singapore, San Francisco, China. And they all, when I, when I did meet people, they all had the same sort of 
thinking inside the box, um, which wasn't really going to get it done for us. So then I, I went to, to um, my contacts in, in Pakistan and said, can you guys do software and build apps that, you know, artificial intelligence? They go, yeah, of course we can. So then, then I said, well, this is the, the mindset, this is what we've got. And they said, yeah, well, let's give it a go. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It's not going to work. So, um, so from then, they've been with me ever, they've been with us ever since, um, you know, coming up to seven years. And it's because we think different. Um, we challenge the status quo in what we do and, and we really perfected the speech recognition. So the, the, the company software that I used when I was in China, the translation was perfect, but what was wrong was the speech input. So if the speech input was incorrect, the translation's only gonna be as good as the speech input. So that's where we really focus on the speech recognition side because we, we, we detected that's where everyone was lacking. So we really perfected that. Then if you get the speech input correct, the rest of it flows on and it's accurate. So, you know, having the team to think the same as what I did around that um, was really helpful. But also aside to that, because I was teaching myself this or what I need to know in the in the tech, in the the um, tech artificial intelligence for speech recognition, they were teaching me. So I was asking questions that may have been stupid to a lot of other people, but they were treating me like an equal and they were answering the questions that I had so I could learn because they knew if they were teaching me, like now I can get questions, I answer the questions, I don't need to go to them for it. I only go to the questions if I think we have to alter it slightly or our software and so on. Um, so they'll teach me up and that's why I really found it was it worked really well. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I love the that you kind of, you know, you lucked out in some ways, although you probably, you know, without necessarily being really conscious of it, hired people that were a real good cultural fit and then, as you say, they thought very much along the lines that you did. Let's think outside the box here and let's give it a go. Well, that's the only way you can challenge the status quo is if, if you're thinking outside the box. Um, if, you, if you're inside the box, you can get it done to a certain degree, especially in development side. Um, to stay ahead of the curve, you've really got to think outside. You know, you've got the, 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 what, the three circles in the middle is your comfort. You know, you've got your, your, your mm. unique spot in the middle. All the rest of it's your comfort zone. So if you get out of your comfort zone, then that's where the magic really starts happening. And that's what we found. Hmm. Great. All right. And you mentioned that you took a partner on board. So uh, how, when did you make that decision? Was that something you, you kind of were advised to do by investors or did you make that decision beforehand? No, beforehand. I made it beforehand. A um, couple of businesses I started before, um, you know, being young and kind of, we'll say, stupid in, in that aspect. But, um you know, you created, you created the business and then, you know, you have people come on saying, yeah, it's a cool idea. We want to come on, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll come on if you give us 30% and you sit there and go, well, I'm not giving you 30% because I put my hard earned money and et cetera into it. And that's, that was a lesson that I learned. So with Lingmo, um, I brought Darren on. Um, so Darren Alla is, is um, one of my partners and I brought him on at the early stage before any investors come on board because I got the product to the MVP stage. Um, and got it working and, and that, but I knew my limitations and my limitation was commercializing it on a global scale. It's a language translation. It couldn't just be Australia focused. So it's got to be a global scale. So Darren, I brought Darren in to, to help me commercialize the product because he, his skills complemented mine. So I could work on the technical side of it. Um, he, he had the commercial, um, uh, the commercial side of it that could get it to, you know, global scale to the right people, to the right angel investors and so on. And, um, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to us. Hmm. Well, that, that was my next question, actually, was how did you 
how did you get your first investors on board? How did you find them? How did you reach out to them? So it sounds like uh, um, Darren was the Darren Border, yeah, the key to that. He knew the right people um, to to bring on and and um, and had the right network of people to to invest um, and believe in believe in us that um, the way you know believe in in the product the way that we did. Um, so it was hard for me because I you know kind of grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and I didn't know the people that would have the money to be able to put into this. So come down to commercializing the product. You know, I brought Darren on to help me commercialize a product. We needed to get investment to help commercialize it and he knew the right people to to bring on. Hmm. Great. All right. And um, how, how did you then kind of bring those people on in terms of, or what were the challenges to bring those people on? Because I'm guessing you made some presentations in various forums. So did did they take straight away or was it a bit of a hard slog? Um, with the angel side, it was it was a bit of both. Um, I think with when when it comes to the angel investment, um, they believe more in the the people than the product, um, and they trusted mm -hmm. Darren and 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 what he had done um, in the first round. So we've done three rounds of investment. Then they've seen how we're growing through the rounds of investment, and that's where we started getting more and more traction, and they start seeing the products um, going through round. We're going through round of funding now, and it's a lot more difficult now, not because of COVID or anything like that. It's just because we're in that bridge round. So we're in between like a, um, you know, a, a seed round and like a series A, it's just sort of that no man's land. So now we're doing a lot of presentations, a lot of demonstrations and, and so on. So I'm finding, they say now it's harder to, when you start going up, it's, it's harder to get more money. Um, but in the early days, it was, it was people believing in, in, the, in, in us um, and what we could deliver. All right. Okay. Uh, so let's take a step back then and tell us a little bit about the product itself, about Lingmo, what it does and, and where you're headed with it. So Lingmo, what we do at Lingmo is we provide real-time language translation solutions for enterprise customers. Um, so we've got um, partnerships with Zoom, Telefonica, Milia Hotels, um, where we provide our solution to better engage their, their end user. So whether it's communication from Within Zoom via a chat, you know, you, you're speaking to a, co a work colleague in China. They can't, you know, English is their second language. You can, they can type in Chinese. You can type in English and converse. Um, Telefonica, we've partnered with them to utilize 5G um, with Melia Hotel Group. So they're a big hotel chain. Um, we've got a proof of concept starting with them now, and that's to be embedded into their hotel system. So concierge, um, check-in, check-out, room service, instant messaging. So you, you don't have to speak or type in the same language. It, it translates in between, so it makes the cut the the guests feel wanted and and um and not having the fear of I don't know how to order a, a drink or you know get my room resupplied for um for room service and so on. So we we really our solutions are really to bridge the the gap between what companies talking to their customers. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you said real time. So is it kind of like as if we were speaking two different languages, but we're actually hearing our native language when you speak to me? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so that's the exact. So we're working with Zoom on that now to have it on the Zoom meeting. So we're hoping to have that launched in, you know, first half of next year. Um, we're the only ones in the world doing that with Zoom at the moment. Um, and with the ability of what we're doing with Telefonica and 5G, it's making it, you know, instant 
you know, being, being on, the 5G is really enhanced. It's reduced our latency by about 60%. So, you know, we're working on ones where you pick up the phone and you call someone and it, it real, it's in real time. So our software and the, and the artificial intelligence can work like that. What's let us down in the past is the network connecting the two together. So mm. um, that's that's where our sort of our next steps are. But it's it's exciting because um, communication is the key. No matter what language you're in, uh, whether it's business or you're you're ordering something online for um, uh, you know shopping, if you can't mm. communicate to someone to ask a question, you're not going to be able to continue using that site or that service. Yeah, and it opens up a lot of possibilities because you know think back to the um, Indian call center and lots of jokes made around that with yeah. with the call center where you got the support because of the language difficulties you know you you were, you describe your problem and the person on the other end didn't understand really what the problem was and and then they started talking to you and maybe even asking some questions so that they could understand and you couldn't understand what they were saying Frustration, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That's 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 a, that's a um, you know we do it with live chat. So if you got, you're going to you know you're typing a message on someone's website, we've got to them now, so you can speak to any you type in any language, and that's that's pretty much you know the goal is you don't need to have say if you've got customer service representatives working out of you know India, Philippines, Australia, wherever it may be, you they you don't need to train someone in a different language. They can just type in their native language. You, that, that way you save money on teaching them. The ins and outs of your business, not the ins and outs of your business in their second language, because that's where mm. the, um, the the communication breakdown can happen. Is if you've got someone speaking or typing in their second language to someone, you know, the the company speaking and typing in their second language, something's going to play up in in between. Yeah, yeah. Might end up telling someone you love them when you didn't. Pretty know much, yeah. what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least you can do it online and not face to face. That's that's, yeah. that's the benefit of it now. Yes. All right. Um, so, and now, how's COVID impacted your business and as, as you've moved forward? Because I know you've done a bit of a pivot. Um, yeah, we pivoted 18 months ago from consumer products to um, to, to be focused on business enterprises, um, obviously pre-COVID. We did that because we've seen a niche market in the business side. Um, companies really needed this needed solutions to communicate with their customers. COVID has helped us a little bit, albeit, you know, a lot of companies are moving a little bit slower now, but because it's helped us with our business engagement because those companies don't have the ability to have translators sitting next to them for a brick and mortar store, for example. Um, everything's been done online or remotely. So the, the language barrier, whether you're in face-to-face -face or, you know, you're doing it remotely, is still there. So with us, it's it's helped us get our foot in the door a little bit um, with some of the bigger companies to be really receptive to use this. Whereas before, they were receptive, but it took a long time to get through to the right people to to really take not take it seriously, but to add it as a service to to theirs. Um, whereas now they need it because they're not having as many people come to their store or their online store is getting um, you know an influx of of global customers now. They all don't speak the same language. Hmm. Well, I think um, I, I'm thinking back to my corporate days when I was leading um, multinational teams across six, seven, eight locations, and you know we were organising the whole enterprise to be a corporate enterprise. And one of the big challenges there was 
a language thing because obviously those of us that had English as a first language, um, it was an American company, so English was the language of choice. But then you had people in places like Japan or China um, and who, who you know, were fabulous at what they did, but English was their second, sometimes third or fourth language. And it always fascinated me because um, the, a lot of the folks in America would say, well, why do these people not understand? And I say, well, hang on, how many languages do you speak and, and how many languages do they speak? But English is maybe their number four language. So what's your number four language and how good are you at your number four language? Yeah, <laughs> so that's, I think, that's exactly uh, it. Exactly hmm. it. Yeah, so I think that yeah, there's got to be opportunities there that um, companies. I, I would certainly hope that some of them forward-thinking companies take advantage of that. Yeah, and you know, it's um, it it's yeah, as you said, third, fourth languages, and um, you know, one word may they may translate correctly, but it may be mm. misunderstood, and that one word could mean a business deal, you know, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars not going through. So it's, and for us, you know, for, for you know, for me that, you know, obviously English is, is our primary language and most places as at least someone can speak it, the second language, we don't, we don't really comprehend that. You know, we go, as you, as you just said, you know, why can't they understand this? Because it's a second and third language, you know, it's, it's, it's something that they're, they're trained in the formal sense of it. Um, and, that's where our system really comes in. It's, it does contextual translation. And um, so there's sort of no misunderstandings, you know, you know in, in conversations. Hmm. Yeah, and the, the live, um, the real-time feature, I think, is a huge value too because I remember travelling around in China, in parts of China where I'd visit customers with our local representative and the business the customers that i was visiting they didn't speak english i spoke hardly any mandarin i could put together two or three words and i so i'd be reliant on the translator and then of course there was the unknown of how much has he actually translated you know sometimes the translation may not be accurate because their language skills were not as good as you know a perfect translator would have or sometimes they'd not translate something because they thought that was not the appropriate thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> that I was yeah. getting out of line, and and vice versa coming back. So they, and and then of course there'd be the delay. So you'd ask a question, and then you'd sit there and kind of twiddle your thumbs a bit, waiting for a reply. It gets it gets a bit awkward. I, I remember there was one time when I was in China before we started Lingmo when I was doing plumbing there, and um, I. Exactly the same thing. We had a translator and I said something and it, it was like a minute long that I said. And as you said, you're sitting there in the awkward silence. He was talking for about five minutes and I just said, and I've actually, after he goes, and then they're all shaking, everyone's nodding their head and you go, okay, well, obviously the message got across. And then I'm turning to the guy, dude, what'd you say? Like, I said one minute, you spoke for five minutes. He goes, oh, I translated what you said, but then I also said, how good you were at what you did and all that type of stuff. I'm going, okay. I didn't say that. But you're sitting there in the awkward <laughs> side, you're sitting there nodding. Yeah, going, yeah. Yes, I, I agree with what he's saying, but I have no idea what he's saying. I'm hoping it's right. <laughs> yes, well, one 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 word I learned very quickly in China was Mei Wenti. Yeah. don't know if you know that one. No, I don't know one. It's, it's the equivalent of no problems. Oh, okay. Australian. But I, I learned that because we we used to have fun with the translators and say well what what are some of the 
common terms that you use that are unique to them. And, and I would always say, well, in Australia, we often say no problems. Yeah. And in, in response to if somebody asks you, you know, can you do something for me? Yeah. You'd say no problems. And that means that, yes, I'll do it. And, and it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and and they, so they said, well, that's like May Wenty in, in Mandarin. <laughs> so I remember being in one place and, and this cracked everybody up because I'd asked a question around what about, so they were having a problem. And so I was trying to figure out why they were having this particular problem with our product. And, and so I asked a question, something along the lines of what about if you change this and what about if you do that, is it still a problem? And, and then the guy, the translator translated that and the answer was something or other, but within the answer, I picked up May Wenty. And so I, I just looked at them all and I said, oh, so no problem. <laughs> and they, they all fell over laughing. They kind of like, I don't know whether they were nervous because they thought he understands more so than he's on or what. <laughs> I can only pick up two words, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was a funny story. Anyway, the, yeah, the translation real time would be hugely valuable in all those situations. Yeah, it is. Um, it's It's just... What we're doing is we're just giving that tool out to enable people to communicate. Um, you know, plain and simple. It's communication's the key. Yeah. So the Zoom, the Zoom integration you're talking about that that would be essentially the chat as well as the audio. Yeah. So we're we're looking to have a launch in early early next year for the chat on the live meeting. So. When you're typing there, you can type in any language and they receive it. Um, we're just going through our, our testing now, so we're just we've, we've de developed it. We're just going through our beta testing. Um, then, with you know, sort of middle of next year, we're hoping for a little bit earlier, depending on the testing side. Um, we'll have live uh, transcription and translation of audio, so on the mm. screen, so it's like subtitles. Um, as I said, we're oh, the only ones yeah. in the world, only ones in the world doing that at the moment, um, and. The results have been really good. We're just making a few fine tune, fine tuning here and there. But what that does mm. is it enables it to, um, to people to communicate anywhere around the world for business and for you know for there's a lot of people using it for pleasure now and and schooling and stuff like that. So it, it just opens up um, you know Zoom to the world. You know it doesn't have to be all English based or or one language based. You know you can one communicate language, yeah. no matter. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, magic. Yeah, and. How how does it go with the different characters? So, like the Chinese or Japanese characters, or the Thai or Indian? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we do simultaneous translation, so it doesn't always have to go back from English. So it can go from Chinese to Thai, it can go from Thai to Russian. It, it mm. doesn't matter. So it always doesn't have to go back to English. Um, so when we release our languages, we make sure they're um, we, we put them out in the field for testing, so everything's accurate. Nuances it picks up nuances, dialects, contextual understanding. So when it translates from one language to another, um, you can understand what's being said. Mm. Great. All right. Well, this is absolutely fascinating. I'm really interested to see how that works in in real life. So I guess I'll yeah. have to wait until next year. But um, yeah, thanks for sharing all that with us. I think now's a good time to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. Yeah. And it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. Yeah. So I've got five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. I'll give, my best, give it my best shot. Yeah. <laughs>
Great. So what, what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Um, think different. Um, think outside the box. You've got to really challenge that status quo, as I mentioned before. And mm. if, if when you challenge the status quo, um, you, you see things different and you get different results. Um, if you're in an industry or you, you have a product in your, in your mind that's say it's already exists, think of how you can do it better, not how you can do it different. That's, that's probably a big key thing. You know, it's a lot of things, you know, um, you know, one thing like why people have taken up Zoom more so than Microsoft Teams, for, for example, it's essentially the same service, but Zoom have made it simple, simple for everyone to use. One click button, you get the meeting come up. Um, so again, it's the same service, but they just thought of how to make it, how to make it a little bit different, but also how to improve it for, for, for mass scale and for everyone to use it, because not everyone's computer literate. Hmm. So focus on, focus on the problem in some ways too. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also and, being passionate. I think that's a big thing is being passionate about the project. Hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly, I mean, what you talked about earlier about, um, keeping going in, in the early days when there were lots of challenges and when you got tired, um, having that passion keeps you going, doesn't it? Because otherwise you just give up. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're starting a project or you innovate, especially with innovation, if you're looking to think of, of, of innovating a product that's already out there to make it better, if you're thinking about it to sell it and make a mass amount of money and sell a company, when times get tough and it will get tough, you won't stick in it. But if you're passionate about making a difference with that product, you'll stick through it through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. So having a vision really clear and knowing that you can make a difference with this rather than it's just a means for earning money. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Because the thing with earning money, you sort of, when it gets tough, you say, well, there's other ways to earn money. Right? Yes. And especially now with COVID, you know, a lot of people are, are struggling and, you know, starting a business or, you know, businesses that were making money previously. It could be travel, could be whatever it is. Now during COVID, aren't making anything. So this is where the struggle street is. And um, if you're passionate about it, you'll you'll think of ways to diversify what you've got to keep going. So when the good times come back, you can you can re-engage that side of the business. Hmm. Yeah, great advice. All right. Now you've probably touched on this already, but what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, again, think different, but it's um being passionate. Hmm. Um. It's for me to think about a new idea. Again, being an entrepreneur, I have struggled, you know, I struggle going into a shopping center and think oh, I can do, you can do something different or you can, you know, sell this product a different way. It's, it's been laser focused and, and focusing on, the, on, on that problem. Um, I think that's the, you know, on the new ideas side of it, you, you can have so many ideas, so they can have so many fishing lines out in the boat, but eventually they all get tangled up. So if you're laser focused with one of them, um, that's where you'll start seeing some good results. Hmm. Yeah, I love the fishing line metaphor. <laughs> yeah, like you could have a yeah, thousand rods out, you're not going to catch the same yeah. fish. The only thing you're going to catch is each other's line. That's that's it. Hmm. Yeah, great. All right, now do you have a favourite resource you use most often? Uh, well, it's a customer, but it's Zoom <laughs> at the moment. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's 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 that to communicate with our team. You know, we're not all in the same office, um, so it's you know we've got a team in Pakistan. So the the most used resource I have is 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 Zoom and Skype um, for communicating. So um, mm. that's the easiest one for me. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, there's probably a whole whole other podcast to talk about how to work with remote teams and that's it in different locations with different languages. That's <laughs> it. Which is just something I don't know whether you're using your own product there, and we also are. with yeah, <laughs> and also with the time zones as well, of course. Yeah, I touched on that earlier. Mm. It's 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 I guess it's with the with the time zones. You know, touching on that a little bit. And I guess you know with the innovation side. If you're looking at getting developers around the world, it's trying to work out the time zones because, you know, you, you can, if, especially if you're working on the product full time, um, you can you can work on it during the day. But if you have people that are working out of Europe or, or the States, um, they can work on it while you're asleep. So you, mm. still, you get sort of double the results. So, yeah. 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 Well, one of the things, you know, back in my corporate career, and this is going back a while now when I first started this, but and we were doing physical products as well. But in the research arena, I always thought, wow, with all these different time zones, you could actually have something if it wasn't reliant on a physical product and physical materials moving around, you could actually work 24 hours yeah. on a project. So basically you hand off from one time zone to the next at the end of the day. Yeah, and I guess that's a good way with what we're doing as well, communication. You know, if you, you can mm. do that if you've got good communication because if you hand your project off and they haven't, you haven't communicated properly, when you wake up the next morning, it could be yeah. all gone, you've got to do it again. So, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. We, dele- we thought you said delete. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a project like this on track? Laser focus. Again, it comes down to laser mm. focus. Um, budgeting. Um, over budget. <laughs> Pretty much everything you do is going to go over budget. So if you've got a budget, you know, what I normally do is add 20, 30% on top of that as a buffer. And that comes down to when I've done house res- renovations and, and all that type of stuff. You know, you, you renovate houses, it's, it's the same. Um, you, you always hit your budget and you always go over. So you have your budget and you, you know, add 20, 30% onto it. But it's um, it's laser focus. It's staying laser focused with, with what you're doing. And, and I guess it's also having the work-life balance because if you're working too much on it, you'll get stressed out a lot easier and a lot, a lot of little problems will add up. Um, you know, it's right now, you know, a hobby of what I do is I'm literally building a big caravan for my family, We've got motorbikes and stuff. So I've built it from the ground up. Now I've got, you know, I started off with steel on the ground. Now it's a full-on caravan that, you know, I'm towing behind the car. And I sit there and, you know, people go, well, how, do you, how did you, um, how'd you build that? And you look at the problem, and you go, well, I'll look at the caravan. You know, it could be the same for the problem. You look at it and you go, I don't actually know. It's so big. But then when you break it down, all I did was did one thing at a time really well and then did it, replicated it, and kept, kept moving on. Um, and I guess that's that's the laser focus is, you know, no matter how, how big the problem looks, if you break it down in little sections and you, you um, do those little sections, then you'll achieve something. And then also when you're achieving something, you feel good about it and then, you don't have to be doing it all the time. You spend time with your family and so on. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the breaking things down in little, little bits and then being really focused on that. And it reminds me, I, I told this story a few times because a lot of people have kind of said this, break it down in little bits and pieces. Uh, I said when my kids were young, they were um, very gifted pianists and they would learn, you know, at eight years old, they would learn this piano concerto that went for 45 minutes in one go and they would learn that and they would recite it but not only just play the notes but also the entire expression and the, the 
coordination with the other instruments in the orchestra and all this and i would always go wow how can you possibly remember all that and i remember having this one conversation with the piano teacher and i said how, how do you what is it that you do how do you get the kids to remember this massive thing and all the other bits and pieces that go with it and she said it's like eating pizza it's one little bit at a time <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's, that's the way it is because I guess being an entrepreneur and, and especially when you're innovating, you look at the project and you go, bloody hell, that's a big project. Yeah. How am I going to get there? But then you just break it down to one little section, as you said, one little piece, one little bite-sized mm. pizza and you, you eat that the best you can then go for the next one. Mm. Great. All right. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's... I guess it comes down to the think different side of it. Um, for me, I guess one of the things with, with what we've done is differentiating is it's coming back to the story. Um, you know, we don't like coming back to it and, and where the origins were, but that's how we differentiate ourselves and we, we think different. We think outside the box. We don't think like developers. We think about the end product and how we can challenge, how we can stay, stay ahead of the curve. Um, I guess it comes down to the individual person, every, every you know, of of each project, um, or what they're what they're innovating is, you know, that's a, it is a that's a hard question. It's I think I think the best way is it's learn more about yourself to to learn how you can differentiate in different areas and then try and replicate that into what you're doing now. I guess would be the easiest way because hmm. each, each yeah, project's I... different. Hmm. Well, I love, I mean, you talked earlier about self-awareness and then taking care of yourself as well. And, and I think there's a theme there that's coming through here, which is a little bit about own your own story. And if, if you consider that, you know, there's probably not many plumbers who've told policemen in China, I love you, and who've then gone on to become tech entrepreneurs. So that's differentiated you. There's a story there behind that. And and it's a fascinating story. People are interested in that, but they're also there's also a product that's come out of that that can serve a lot of people. Yeah, and I guess uh, the I guess it comes down to what we were just talking about before. Actually, is breaking it down into little bite sized pieces. You know, um, when I did the market research of 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 our competitors, and I worked out the speech recognition side was where they were, they were they were lacking. That's what we really focus on to differentiate ourselves in that area to make the whole tr the whole process better, like the whole translation process. Mm -hmm. So I guess in differentiating is trying to pick one bite-sized little thing and and doing that better than the competition to differentiate yourself. Um, you know, it could be, you know, you're, you're building a caravan and and you, the way you differentiate yourself is you completely change the color design and do something that's completely wacky, but everyone likes it. Or you know, you look at what other people are doing and and you try and choose, you know, maybe three or four competitors and and see all the little bits of what they're doing wrong and you combine them to differentiate yourself in that way. Because going through the, the stages, you do either have to do it different or you've got to differentiate yourself to get through investment side. Hmm. Yes, that's that's right. Um, you've got to do something to get their attention first, right, yeah. if, so they'll listen to you at least enough yeah. to to then put your pitch forward. <laughs> Yeah, because I think I've, I've been, well, I haven't said it, but, you know, when you, I watch a lot of podcasts and, and, and listen to a lot of things and you hear investors say they're sick of hearing we're the Uber of X or, you know, we, we're <laughs> like Uber, but we do it in the travel industry and, and stuff like that. They don't like hearing that type of stuff. 
because that's not a differentiating point. It's just what they're what you're, what they're trying to do is say, well, Uber's worth you know you know a couple hundred billion. I'm I'm like Uber, but you know in this industry, so hmm. it's yeah, it's just defining yourself. I think really. Hmm. Great. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Danny. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you? Maybe even reach out to. Thank you for what you've shared today. Learn about Lingmo and um, yeah, get in touch. Um, the best way to learn about Lingmo is jumping on our website, lingmointernational.com. It's got all our products there. It's got you know everything on it. Um, if you've got any questions, we have a live chat, which you can type in any language, and <laughs> and um, and we communicate in English. Yeah. yeah, we use our own product. Um, for me personally, the best way to contact me is through LinkedIn, um, Danny May, mm. and um, yeah, friend me on there. Ask me any questions, and happy to help. Great. All right. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes as well. Now, um, do you have any parting advice today for our listener? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, when it comes to innovation and and, and entrepreneurship, it's um, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Hmm. That's that's probably the, the best, best advice because if, you, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you're learning. You're taking yeah. to the next step. Um, if, if you're in your comfort zone, you're in your comfort zone. You, you will learn to a certain degree, but you won't challenge the status quo. So you're going to hear a lot of the word no's. You might feel uncomfortable speaking to people about investment, but you're going to get used to it. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's, um, you know, a few people have said that, and I, I like the kind of the real succinct way that's put, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable because there's a kind of a paradox there. And yeah. it's funny that I know with my business coach, she always ask some questions and the moment you get to the point of hmm i, I don't really know and yeah. beauty because now we're in the learning zone so that's it let, let's you, you forward, always yeah. learn or yeah. everyone always learns if you're learning you're moving forward hmm. great all right and finally who else should i get on this podcast and why um i've i've done a couple of good podcasts there's a um there's a gentleman, he's called Sadiq, he's out of London and he's very, um, I follow him on um, on LinkedIn, Twitter. I've been on his podcast, he actually has his own podcast, but he's he's a bit like me, you know, he, um, you know, one example is he, 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 one of his life goals was to, to get on TEDx and he just, he just asked questions and contacted the right people and continued doing it and next thing you know, he was presenting on TEDx and he's, he's really good at, you know, sayings and, and motivating people. So I think he, he's a he's a really good person to speak to and, and have on. Great. Well, we'll get the details from you on the introduction yeah. and have Sadiq on the show. Look forward to yeah. that as well. Yeah. Yeah, no problems. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Danny, and all your insights and sharing the journey of Lingmo with us. I've really learned a lot. It's been inspiring and I sort of really look forward to seeing it in action. So um, I'll keep an eye out in my zoom account when they offer that and all the best for the future and let's stay in touch no worries thanks for having me on the show well i hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with danny and took something away from his episode Danny's passion and drive to solve a problem which he experienced and for which there was no adequate solution at the time and how he used that drive to shift to a new industry, learn new things and connect with influential people is quite an inspirational story. I'd love to know what you took away from Danny's episode. 
leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Danny May. That is D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-Y. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Danny May. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Danny there, as well as links to the Lingmo website, to his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in the conversation. If you like this episode, please share it with two other people that it might help. We really owe it to those people that this could help to get this information out into their ears. So if you share this, tag me in that share and I'll reach out to you with a special surprise as my thank you. Danny suggested that we have a conversation with Coach Sadiq Hussain on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So Sadiq, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast courtesy of Danny May. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got even more fantastic guests lined up, including creativity expert David Chislett and co-author of the book New to Big, David Kidder of Bionic. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.